Welcome to City Stories, the podcast by Energy Cities. I'm Miriam Eisenman and I'm your host. This podcast is for those who want to learn how cities go about with the energy transition, how they take action with courage and creativity. Dublin counts half a million residents. Its energy agency Kodima is in the early stages of redesigning the city's energy landscape by involving the local community. The challenge is huge. How do you decarbonize a capital city that is very much driven by the fast-growing digital economy? Today I talk with Donna Gartland, who's heading the Dublin Energy Agency with a staff of 16 people. She will explain what changes can be expected in the city and describe how she and her team trigger conversations with citizens around very abstract topics such as district heating using waste heat from data centers. Welcome to City Stories, Donna. Let me begin first by asking you um, a very more general question about COVID-19. Um, you're living on an island, but I think you have been exposed to the virus as much as anybody else in this world. And um, I wanted to know, has that virus in any way uh, changed your work at Kodima or has it even dimmed your enthusiasm for working in that field? Well, to be honest, we've been lucky enough um, to be kept very busy during covid um, so we've the team switched very easily to online. Uh, luckily, we have lots of young people working with us, uh, so as was able to help, help us to easily adapt. Uh, lots of lots of millennials, uh, as they're called, working on our team. Um, so yes, yeah, so we we adapted quite quickly, and I suppose our our clients, people we work with in the local government in the local authorities, um, also adapted quite quickly to the online. Uh, way of working so and it was actually very encouraging as well quite encouraging to see that the focus on climate action actually seemed to have increased in the in the last year rather than you know we did think with covid maybe this would take over um but i think the momentum has still stayed and um, particularly because in ireland we had, had a new government recently um, and part of that government uh, the green party are part of that government And in the new program, they, they brought in a new program with that government and that set more ambitious targets for climate action. So I suppose the government are very much focused on delivering on that promise. Um, and it increases our target to um, 7% per year emissions reductions to 2030, um, which is a 51% total decrease in, in carbon emissions. So it's obviously a very ambitious target. Uh, so obviously that kept us very busy working as a local energy agency and then to try and implement some of those some of those actions on the ground. Yeah, let, let's look more into detail uh, on those actions. One of the biggest missions and challenges your agency has is to kind of redesign the energy landscape in, in Dublin and in the different local authorities around Dublin. You're working on what, what is called the Dublin Region Energy Master Plan and Transition Roadmap. This happens in the framework of the EU project uh, Tomorrow, where Energy Cities is also part of. Um, and it's actually a huge endeavor. When we talk about roadmap, what road are we talking about what road is Dublin taking currently? Well, the roadmap um, and the purpose of the Tomorrow Project is really about the energy transition. So it's a roadmap on how we can get to our 2030 and 2050 targets. And I suppose, crucially, not just from a technical or cost optimal point of view, but having the citizens and the stakeholders at the heart of that roadmap. So understanding 
um, what their drivers are and I suppose how uh, what that roadmap would look like um, with them at the centre. So I suppose traditionally roadmaps are set at a national level or a high level and they're set by lots of engineers modelling what you know should and shouldn't be, what kind of technologies should play the part um, and what's the cheapest way of doing it. But as we know from, you know, from our everyday work that that doesn't always come true, that doesn't always happen that way um, because people have other priorities, have other values, have other things that they will put first. Um, so it's about understanding what's important to citizens in Dublin, what's important to the stakeholders, the businesses, um, you know, the people that live and act and work in the Dublin region um, and see how we can incorporate those drivers um, in that roadmap as well. So if you want to know what is important to Dubliners uh, in, in the energy transition, how do you do that? How do you get in touch with the citizens or with different stakeholders? I'm asking this also because the podcast uh, is being done in the framework of the Empower project, where we really focus on energy democracy, energy ownership, and we want really to see how cities in Europe are yeah, making sure that citizens are on board throughout this whole transition process. And um, Dublin is is making the same effort. So how do you exactly do that? Yeah, I suppose it's everyone. Um, you know, we're, we're learning from best practice uh, across Europe. I mean, through the Tomorrow Project, we've seen, you know, we've learned from uh, places uh, like Leuven and um, in Ghent um, and not and, you know, seeing what they trials. And, you know, I suppose everybody has, has tried slightly different things because, again, like, you know, the local characteristics and the local governments and the local um, ways of doing things are very different in each European country, in each European city. Um, so we've kind of had to forge, we've kind of taken ideas and bits and pieces from these other places and tried to forge our own kind of uh, process that we think will fit um, well for us. So what the what we're trying to do is firstly is to have that evidence base. So rather than, as I said, kind of the technology or the engineers in that and the models dictating the pathway, but using the, the the potential like as an evidence base. So what we're doing with the master plan that you mentioned in the, in the Dublin region, um, we're gathering all the evidence base for Dublin and then trying to, I suppose, take it from a very technical engineering language and translating that to our communications and our marketing team into something that's more tangible for citizens and other stakeholders so they can understand it. So, for example, one of the things, one of the ways we found is mapping um, is very important. So spatially representing the energy and emissions and uh, actions so that people can look at their own neighborhoods, um, their own, you know, uh, their own houses, their own buildings, their own place of work and kind of say, well, well, actually, you know, well, I didn't realize we were, you know, responsible for, you know, this area is so high emissions or these this area here has very poor uh, energy efficiency ratings. And that's, those kind of tools are more engaging than, you know, kilowatt hours and tons of CO2 and which are not very um, not important to, I suppose, people every day, you know, like everyday citizens don't think about carbon emissions and CO2 emissions every day. Um, so it's, it's um, translating that evidence base and kind of using that as a tool for communication rather than as the way forward, you know, as, as a way for us to model a way forward. That's really interesting. And I was um, asking myself actually this question because uh, one of your big projects is the district heating network. And um, district heating is really something very abstract, very invisible. It's underground and it's it's still something that many people don't, don't even know that it exists and how it works. 
so so for this type of um of technology or of of new uh, energy use what, what messages do you or means do you use to make this concrete because it's really um yeah quite a quite a, cha quite a challenge mapping i guess it's it's very convincing because it's visual and you can um certainly um yeah see the parallel be be between the streets and the neighborhoods you're you're walking in every day but the district heating pipelines are just far away from from your everyday life so how how does the Kodima communications team um, make this a bit more concrete and tangible? Um, well, district heating in Ireland is actually yeah it's it's really unknown and kind of a very unknown technology. Um, so we all have individual heating systems um, at the moment. District heating is response is only we've only got two very small schemes that connect like a few a few buildings together. Um, at the moment, and this was where, where, as you mentioned, we're uh, developing two big uh, schemes at the moment in the Dublin region, and these are going to be the first, like let's say, district level uh, kind of systems. Um, so the first, like I mean, what we've been working on uh, for the last five years or so is really like breaking down those um, those knowledge barriers, and it's been right from the from at the very top level, to be honest, like at government department level. Um, you know, um, our our government bodies, local authorities, all the way down. Like I, this was ne this meeting was never on the agenda up until we started developing um, the evidence, uh, the reports, the research, and kind of breaking down the um, the existing knowledge barriers. So there was a kind of a, a kind of a thought here that this heating was only suitable for really cold countries because it's well known in Scandinavia and places like that. So anyone that had to, heard of district heating thought, oh yeah, well we're not, it's not cold enough in Ireland for, for district heating. Um, and then also because we don't have a lot of high rise, very high rise buildings, we we have like tend to have a lot of individual um, one off housing um, and individual housing even in our in our city areas. So again, there, there was this question about well, do we have the kind of density, uh, urban density, to support district heating? So what we've really been doing is like based again on um learnings from our scandinavian neighbor like in denmark and, and, and i suppose doing this applying the same best practice approaches that they had in those countries again through european projects like uh, heatnet that we were involved in which is a an interreg project again energy cities are involved in that as well um so kind of using that to uh, those kind of projects to bring um the kind of best practice and apply like those methodologies. So we were looking at, we we developed a map from that and, and showed, look, district heating is actually feasible in these areas. It's exactly the same as what they do in Denmark. Here's what they did in Denmark. Here's what they did in Sweden. Here's what they did in Finland. Uh, getting the guys over from Europe to present directly to the, you know, to the policymakers um, and kind of just breaking down, breaking down those barriers. But that's taken a long time um, to convince uh, the stakeholders that this is something that we need. And the benefits of it, um, you know, show, like highlighting the benefits of it, not just from, again, like the policymakers are very interested in the CO2 emissions aspects of it, obviously, um, and the, renew, you know, the renewable integration abilities of district heating. But uh, touching on what you we talked about earlier, the citizens, like, um, so the local politicians and the local authorities are very much interested in, you know, the benefits for the, the local people and the local citizens. And there's so many benefits uh, through district heating in terms of lowering costs, um, air emit, local air emission, uh, you know, local air quality uh, benefits, you know, safety increases, and, you know, all those kind of bits and pieces that we were kind of trying to um, highlight uh, that district heating is not just a, 
a one off, you know, not, not just a one trick pony, as they say, like not just for carbon emission reductions, but there's lots of other ancillary benefits to those systems. Great. So, so this very first uh, district heating system uh, in Ireland is, I think, one of really the great uh, achievements that you that you recently had. What other projects are you particularly proud of, or what what can we see if we would zoom a bit more into Dublin now, go into one neighborhood or different neighborhoods? What are things that um, Kodima did and that, or what you did together with other stakeholders, I guess, and what you would like to highlight? So in the Dublin region, there are four municipalities that we work with, so four local authorities. Um, and I suppose we work with them to highlight best practice through their own, you know, using their own buildings, their own um, uh, their things within their own remits to kind of hide to as uh, pilot cases, pilot project cases. So one of the things um, that we uh, developed as part of another European project, uh, again, is the, Euro the European project support, obviously for pilot projects is great. Um, and getting things off the ground and obviously giving us the funding to do to do this kind of work um, was to develop uh, our home energy saving kits. So, again, one of the things around, you know, communicating with households and um, citizens around their own energy use in their home is, they don't, like, it's, again, it's kind of the kilowatt hours, the barriers there, understanding their bills, you know, um, it's like a foreign, it's a very foreign language and the bills and stuff, you know, your utility bills can be, Mis quite misleading and confusing uh, for people. So it's it's hard to know how much you're using, where where you might be wasting energy. So these home energy saving kits were developed um, firstly as a trial through the ACE project, um, which was an EU uh, project, uh, Horizon 2020 project. And um, the we rolled these out through the Dublin uh, local authority libraries. So we put in these kits, people can borrow them. So they borrow them just like a book um, and they, they bring them back then and they have their forms they can fill in. And what's in those kits are things like um, thermal, you know, uh, thermometers so they can put, they can use on the walls to see where there might be leaks and different temperatures, differences between the walls and the windows and the, the ceilings. Um, there's also uh, plug-in energy monitors and humidity sensors, temperature sensors, those kind of things. And it was, There's very simple online videos, you know, to follow to of how to use them. And um, so it was all very simply done, again, driven by our communications team. I think that's one of the important things that we've learned really in Kodima is the engineers working with the communications team. So it's all it's all great having all the technology and all that there and the knowledge, but it's really translating it and making it um making it's it uh, something. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. These kits, um, These home energy saving kits then won the EU Sustainable Energy Week award um, um, a couple of years ago. So um, and then after that, obviously highlighted the project for us a lot, and we got national level funding to roll it out further across Ireland. So it's actually in you know library networks all across the country now, um, and there's waiting lists for them to be taken out. So it's a very successful scheme, um, and we're delighted now. It seems to be, it's supporting things like even schools, uh, communities, community groups. Uh, nursing homes, you know, all these kind of places uh, are using them now to kind of increase the knowledge and awareness of energy um, in their in their households. So yeah, the library network was obviously a great way for us to tap into citizens and that citizen network, you know, with the local authorities. Um, and now also we coordinate 
um, a, a sustainable energy community network in the Dublin region. So we also, um, you know, have um, meetings with them and they all have mentors um, who assist them on, and give them advice on energy. Um, and, but also the, the toolkits can be lent to those communities as well. So that through that network. Um, so that's a growing network and that's really doing really well. So there's lots of groups of communities coming together with um, and finding solutions, um, say, to things like um, funding barriers by, by partnering with their local credit unions, um, mm -hmm. which unions like are like um, local banks, um, like community owned uh, local banks. Um, that give that have set up a loan fund uh, funding streams specifically for energy efficiency upgrades for those communities. So, yeah, it's, it's really working out well. It's really nice to see and understand as well the barriers in the ground. It's, it's all well and good for us to, suggesting policies and changes and things, but without really knowing what the barriers are in the ground and what people, you know, are feeling or, or want. Like, I mean, there's a lot of pressure in Ireland at the moment. Our targets are very much... Um, based on household retrofits and household uptake of uh, EVs. But obviously, these are very big expenses for people um, and big commitments for people, you know. Um, so, uh, but, uh, you know, there are changes that need to happen. Um, so it's just understanding what the barriers are. How can we break them down? Are there simple ways that we can encourage people to, to, um, to do things, maybe small steps at a time? Like, and um, as I said, like things like new loan, uh, loan and, and funding kind of um, opportunities for those. You just mentioned the sustainable energy communities. Is the Dublin City Council um, itself part of an energy community and producing and sharing renewable energy with other local stakeholders? The council themselves are not part of the community, but they do support the communities. Again, they support through a kind of bridge lo loan, um, bridging loans. So a lot of the grants that are available um, to support the communities aren't available upfront. So the communities would have to put kind of that money up front. So what the council are doing are giving that money up front and then taking the grant, you know, um, so having that kind of um, bridging loan there for the communities. Um, their buildings have been involved previously in some of the better energy community kind of schemes. So they would maybe put a library or a community building into um, into a project, but other buildings where they uh, apply for a grant together to, to get a, a kind of an additional um funding source and stuff like that. Um, but the communities are very much, I mean, they they are like, while we encourage people to set them up, they're actually quite um, independently. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people now more, more and more interested in this area and lots of, lots of communities are just getting together and, uh, and forming communities, sustainable energy communities, communities themselves. So it's great to see. That's good to learn, yeah. That's uh, that's very encouraging and positive. Um, and for you at Kodima, who who are your supporters or your critical friends in that whole endeavor? I mean, you you were talking already about, for example, the libraries or the local authorities. Um, uh, are are there any other like really key allies um, in Dublin or around Dublin that you think are really pushing your mission um, further? Um, well, the local authorities are, I suppose, are, are key and our first, you know, our first kind of go-to um, people. As they have um, a lot of the, uh, what would you say, the, the foundations that we use um, for projects. So, like their own buildings, um, their own services. Um, their social, they have a lot of uh, social housing stock as well, which obviously is a big part of the um, 
there's also house, housing stock as well. So it's ro- being able to roll out pilots with the with the local authorities has been a huge, um, you know, has been really crucial for us to be able to get a foothold into, you know, some of these new areas. Um, we, um, you know, we there are other local stakeholders um, that we are more and more engaged with. Um, so say like the, in the Tala district heating scheme, like the data center that's supplying us the waste heat is obviously, a, a, you know, a crucial stakeholder in that project. So getting them on board um, and for them to understand how, you know, uh, supplying us with the waste heat into that scheme, it was really crucial for us to be able to develop district heating in that area and support, supported the whole scheme. So the data center, they're committed to giving us the, the waste heat for free. Um, now, obviously, the heat from a data center is at a lower temperature, so we do have to put in equipment to, to kind of bring that that heat to a, a usable, a, a more usable temperature. But it does increase the the frequent or the uh, the efficiency of the system, um, and allows us to supply heat um, at a competitive cost to gas. So, um, so those kind of stakeholders and getting those guys on board um, are, are, are crucial steps for us as well. Um, in Ireland, it's slightly different to a lot of other European countries and places as well, where we don't have, like our electricity and gas systems are controlled at a national level. So we don't have like local level network operators. So when so we do have to um, uh, collaborate with those guys, but it's an, at a national, you know, it's national level. So it can be quite difficult. Um, you know, obviously you're, they have bigger, you know, bigger things and, and agendas and, you know, to roll out across the country. So try to, trying to get them and engage them in Dublin specific activities can be quite difficult. But again, they are crucial stakeholders for us. And um, so we have had a lot of support from the, one of the big um, electricity generation, uh, generation uh, companies in Ireland, who also one of the arms that company also runs the uh, distribution system. Um, so they are very interested in obviously decarbonizing through electricity. Um, and they've been big supporters again of, rollout of district heating um, and they supported a lot of the projects uh, like you know helping us to um, roll out projects and stuff like that so um, those kind of stakeholders as well as the communities obviously um, through the sustainable energy communities network um, are kind of the really kind of key kind of stakeholders um, that we've been involved with. You're in a quite tricky situation then because you on the one side the data centers or those big companies are I guess um a, a source of uh, emissions and energy consumption and on the other side they can be part of the solution as well so uh, Dublin is has really this challenge of yeah having a fast-growing digital economy while wanting to become a low-carbon city that's that's a tough a tough mission isn't it yeah it's it, it seems kind of contradictory yeah it's a little bit maybe contradictory in some ways um but like you know, I suppose what we we can only do what we can do on the ground in in the Dublin region. Like we can't control, I suppose. Like at a national level, um, there is a, a kind of the, the the Department of Enterprise and and business. You know, they do want to attract data centers into the country. So um, it's very hard to kind of, I suppose, convince them not to not to do that. Uh, or you know, and then also when you look at data centers, I know they are kind of obviously a big uh, user of electricity and therefore um, obviously emissions that are associated with that. But I suppose in Ireland, like if they locate in Ireland, we have we have targets to be 70% um, 
renewable electricity by 2030. And we're well on track to do that. Um, so at times we, we're already the leading country for onshore um, onshore wind in, in Europe. So um, so at least if the data centers are going to go somewhere, like, you know, at least they're going somewhere to a country where our renewables will be uh, in the, on the grid will be very high. Um, so if we can couple that with um, and, you know, obviously Europe needs the, those data centers. You know, we need to support the European economy. They have to be somewhere in Europe. Um so if we can support the data centers here um, and, you know, make them as efficient as possible by utilizing the waste heat as well, um, then, yeah, they are important allies. But it, there is there is this fine balance, yeah, um, obviously. <laughs> now for the final part of our interview, I would like to know a bit more about your personal pathway. How how did you, what, what was it that took you to this energy and climate field and how did you end up at uh, Kodima? Um, yeah, so personally, then my my trip to where I am now was a bit uh, not not very straightforward. Um, so so I went to a Catholic school, you know, a, a run by uh, the Catholic um, uh, church, and it was all girls' school, and we didn't have a lot of technical subjects because they were for the boys. Um, so I suppose I was not very encouraged into the kind of science technical uh, world of school. So. And I was actually, um, yeah, I was, I'd be, I do a bit of drawing and painting and stuff. So I actually went to the art college for a year and then I, um, I went to college, you know, I went to university then for a couple of years, but I just, you know, I was, I was doing art there as well. And I, you know, I just didn't really, I didn't feel it was for me. So what really switched me, um, to this area was, um, you know, I was a bit of a, like, like I don't know what the European equivalent is, but a tomboy. Like, I was hanging out with the guys and, mm. you know, watching the sports and all. And one of the guys said to me, you know, look, why have you ever considered, like I said, I'd love to work on building sites. I'd love to get into the trade and uh, understand, you know, get into the building area. Um, so he, uh, you know, um, told me about interviews that were happening. So I, I became um, an electrician. So I was working on building sites and, the, and I suppose through that uh, process of becoming a qualified electrician, you go to college uh, to learn about uh, electric electricity, how electricity generation works, understanding, you know, high voltage cables, transmission lines, all that kind of thing. And that's where my first time studying anything like science or, or you know, anything in that area. And I was fascinated by it. And obviously, um, I'd never done it in school or anything like that. So that really kind of sucked me in to that area. And then I felt... Um, you know, I suppose my own values, I'm driven very much by fairness and equality and uh, diversity and that kind of thing. And I just felt like that, you know, they, you know, I didn't want to get into the oil and gas kind of sector. You know, obviously I wanted to kind of get into something that was um, going to be more positive. Um, so obviously the renewable sector uh, was where I wanted to go. So, um, yeah, so when I finished my apprenticeship, I uh, went back to college and I did an engineering degree um, in energy and environmental engineering. And it was quite a new course. It was actually the first time a course of, on this had been run in Ireland. So I was in the first kind of degree course. I was the only female. Uh, I was the only female apprentice as well. So it was kind of a lonely enough uh, space. But luckily, I, I, you know, it was fine. The guys were okay. Um, but yeah, so it was um, It was kind of disheartening, I suppose, to see that there weren't more women encouraged into the area. And maybe if I hadn't have gone into the building and the trade area, maybe... Um, you know, I would never have gotten to where, I, you know, I would never have gotten into this sector. So, you know, I do try to encourage now and get involved in, you know, women in energy and women in the um, in the, the engineering sector and try to encourage that as much as possible. 
Um, so yeah, and then I went to Denmark. Uh, when I finished my bachelor's degree here, I went to Denmark because obviously they were well known, well renowned for uh, you know their experience in this area. And I did a master's there, um, and that's where I really kind of you know started to understand like the kind of best practice renewable energy solutions and kind of seeing as was opening my mind to the European best practice, you know, and getting involved in in um, European research. So, um, yes, yeah, so that, that's what I then I came back to Dublin to apply that best practice. Uh, and I ended up uh, in Kodima, um, where I am now. Wow, amazing. I really hope that you can be a role model for a number of um, little girls who are uh, still kind of looking for their professional uh, career path. I think it's really inspiring and important also to to show to girls and women what is possible uh, even in a still very male dominated uh, area uh, Donna I, we have come to the end of this interview it has been a great pleasure having you on City Stories I wish you and your team uh, a great 2021 during which I'm sure you will make Dublin even more livable and more low carbon I think you're really on a good track and um, yeah thank you very much thank you very much thank you to Energy Cities And at last, I invite our listeners to go on citiesoftomorrow.eu, um, the project website where some of Dublin's latest planning and visioning steps are described. And if you work for a city yourself, you may want to check out the transition box that has been developed uh, and that can help you design uh, your own transition roadmap. Today's episode was brought to you by the EU project Empower. Empower explores how cities and citizens can manage the energy transition together in a fair, clean and democratic way. Participation can happen at various stages, from involving citizens, local NGOs or businesses in the policy design to any stage of the energy value chain, for example, as shareholders or even prosumers. The Empower project gets funding from the European Horizon 2020 program. To regularly check out Energy Cities' website energy-cities.eu, we provide you with political updates and great stories around the energy transition in Europe. energy-cities.eu